welcome to episode 142 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring the latest new news interview, the biggest new release, which this week is Assassination Nation. As always, I'm your host, Kubruid, and this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone, and just remember, I should be the first call you ever make if you're a studio head. I'm that important. <laughs> he is. He is that important, everybody, so make sure you keep Josh Straley on your speed dials this week. Number one, not number two. No, number one forever. Um, Josh... <laughs> Since I guess you're not getting calls from studios. No, I guess I'm not. You must have been watching some movies recently. <laughs> yes, thankfully that's what I was up to. What is one that you want to highlight here? One. Oh, can I highlight two sure. at the same time? Because sure. they're kind of the same. Okay. But I'm I'll on a Harrison. It. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm on a Harrison Ford filmography journey. I realized I've seen like five of his movies, six of his movies. Indiana, in, Indiana Jones and Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's like that was like one of the reaches. So I'm digging through all of the terrible thrillers, um, but all of the really good ones from mm-hmm. the '80s. It's like as soon as '95 hit, everything just went downhill that he got cast in until uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or something like that. But no, I sorry, I watched The Witness, which is exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. He should have been nominated, or he should have won an Oscar for that. Okay. And then I watched The Fugitive for the first time, which remains one of my, which is now and will probably remain for a while, one of my favorite, like, um, catch me if you can type running from the outlaws oh. movies. I don't know. Okay. It's a good mix of drama and action and intrigue. And we just don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> but I just did notice, I couldn't help but um, notice on Witness, there are some eer- eerie parallels to Looper when they get out into the countryside in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. as opposed to when Gordon Levitt runs into Emily Blunt, there's a few like little interesting callbacks that oh. I thought were cool. But that's me. How okay. about you? What well, about you? I was going to talk about Hereditary because I saw it. <gasps> but Just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. I have it's to know. A, it's a thumbs up. I mean, okay, it's good. not It's not, like, not going to be my top 10 of the year or anything. Tony Collette, though. Tony Collette, great. Um, I even thought... Uh, this was Nat Wolf, right? Not Alex Wolf. Yeah, it's Nat Wolf. Um, I think it's Alex Wolf. Is it? I think so. Whichever Wolf it is, I thought he was really good as well. Um, but since you were mentioning your Harrison Ford watch or binge, I guess. Yes. I've been kind of gearing up for First Man by going through a bunch of Ryan Gosling movies, mm-hmm. um, starting with uh, Blue Valentine, which is him and Michelle Williams, and it's like it's, it chronicles their life as like. Um, two people who fall in love at a young age and then they like it flashes between that period in time and then when they're older and it shows how troubled their marriage is and how mm-hmm. difficult the relationship is but he's trying to rekindle it she's not and okay. it's just like a really great back and forth they managed to make ryan gosling look really ugly because he's like balding and it's really oh, fun to like man. see him in that way um but it's a it was a really great movie really great performances um so i wanted to highlight that one here um i saw white boy rick oh yeah it's okay not great um but definitely could have been better. But so if you're if you're interested interested in that sort of a thing, you know, a, a thriller kind of a rising through the ranks thing um, with Matthew McConaughey and um, a new kid, maybe go check it out. It could be worth your time. Uh, but this week, as far as our review goes, Josh, actually before we get there, yeah, where can people find us online to keep up with all of our movie watching? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> you can get all of our latest updates on our account on Twitter at Friends and Film. But if you want to know all the about all the other movies that we're seeing and reviewing and talking about, um, you can find the rest of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and really 
anywhere your podcast can be found except for Spotify. We're still, still working there. on it. But if you can, though, please rate and review us as well. It really helps. Yeah. So this week we went and saw Assassination Nation. Mm-hmm. This is a movie, Josh, <laughs> that you are reviewing for the site. Yes. What did you think about it? I didn't know. Like, I liked it a lot. Okay. I'm a, I, it walks this fine line between satire, drama, and this Tarantino-esque kill bill type mentality or, you know, action, mm-hmm. gore, blood, and everything like that, which really encompasses the last 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. Um, once they kind of do like a soft reset of the premise a tad. And it was really good. I think Sam Levinson is a, is a very talented filmmaker. And writer, because um, this was written and directed by him. And I am really excited to see what he has coming from him next, you know? Uh, because this was really cool. It's 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 not exactly a shotgun pumping Me Too revenge film, which I've had There's thought There's definitely it was elements going to, be, to that. But there are elements to that. But it, and, and while though I haven't seen Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's film, it's Probably not as touching of a analysis of analysis of millennial culture. No, it comes from a place of anger and disgust at both, like you know, worldwide discourse and how we represent ourselves in person and how mm-hmm. we all kind of go out about and acting our daily lives. And it centers in on four girls who are sort of trying to navigate all of that before chaos reigns and like the trailer, everyone's texts and everything like that comes up missing. And yeah, you can really feel that because of the performances from like, um, especially Odessa Young, but Abra, Hari Neff and um, Suki Watterson, all excellent in kind of laying out what life is like, or a heightened version yeah. of drama <laughs> of, you know, have, how we're all hiding something in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really makes you feel for the people that get shamed publicly in a lot of ways, whether deserving or undeserving, represented um, early in the movie uh, with a scandal for a politician mm-hmm. and someone, or an unsympathetic character and a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. um, a, a politician and a school principal, a good natured school principal. And it just circulates all of these ideas of kind of like what we've probably seen, you know, online and offline. And it does it really well. However, it never arrives at what to do next. Mm -hmm. That sort of becomes the screed by the end of the movie. And I was kind of ultimately disappointed because there was, I think you could have been a little bit more firm, but we can get into that though. Um, it also has some really cool performances from Bill Skarsgård and Joel McHale, um, some darker side to them. I mean, like Bill Skarsgård is obviously Pennywise, <laughs> so he what, what can be darker, but he's in he's in character, and it's really cool to see him in his acting range mm-hmm. there. Joel McHale, he's one note um, the entire film, but it's good to see him out there doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, though, I'm going to give it four out of five ticket stubs okay. because- I enjoyed every second in the theater, um, but I think there are a few things um, in the film's overall content that I think kind of lessens its appeal a little bit. Okay. I mean, yeah, this movie starts off, and you've seen the trailers, you see basically how this movie starts off with it's like a, a trigger warning mm-hmm. thing. Like, oh, if you're, if like, if this is going to be, if you're going to be offended by nudity, drugs, sex, um, like homophobia, like, 
it lists off like 20 to 30 things. It's like, yeah. get ready to be really offended this whole movie. And it's like, it's not that. So no. it's like, it starts off and that was such a, I felt like a weird way to open this movie because then it, it goes from that to then like it, like to, it cuts the more, that's basically halfway through the movie mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to, okay, well here's how we got to these events. And it's like, it's just a weird introduction to the story. And then it takes so long for me for assassination nation to get to the place where I thought this was going to be this like revenge thriller shoot up like kill bill style yeah. uh, revenge story about these four girls going against society have the, who have all of their secrets leaked and it's like them just trying to fight back and those last 20 minutes are great best part of the movie but it's everything that like, builds up to that that I didn't really have as much of an emotional connection to as I maybe would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these characters are like just stock. You pull them off of the shelf and you're like, okay, we need this type of character. Insert you here, insert you here. And they're not really developed anywhere beyond that. Um, so while I think Odessa Young, you know, gave a great performance, her character isn't necessarily that compelling because you don't know much about her other than like, oh, well, she's dating Bill Skarsgård, kind of. Mm-hmm. She has some uh, unsavory things happened to her in the past, some um, relationships that are not looked upon um, in a positive manner with society. And like, she's kind of a rebellious teen who's like, wants to do, you know what she shouldn't be doing when everybody else is like, well, you should do this. Well, she's going to go do the complete opposite thing. And so I just didn't feel like this movie got me to the place where by the end, it's, it feels like this should be this like, this puppy like yeah you go get them girls and i was just like okay cool we're, we're getting there finally mm-hmm. um and like the build-up to it i didn't think like it, it it has the interesting premise of well like what would happen if all of the secrets leaked and like mm-hmm. what would be revealed about each individual person but like the discussion around those like ideas it, it doesn't really happen yeah, um, it's non-existent the, the other positive about this movie is it looks great um, the eye, I don't know who, I didn't pull up the cinematographer's name, but it looks great across the board, whether it is, um, just like the earlier quieter moments. And then by the time it gets to this revenge, like heist break in movie, uh, all of those things are executed as well. There's great gunfights. There's everything you could want from that aspect. But I just felt like for me, it ultimately fell short of, I think, achieving what they were going for and time and trying to tell this, um, poignant, um, story about, you know, girls rising up and going against society and being who they should be or who they are instead of who people think they should be. Um, so in that, I left a little unsatisfied okay. with the movie and I'm going to give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. Cause I still think there's good parts to it, but I definitely couldn't recommend it to everybody. If even just a few people probably just because of all the different things that are going on. Do you not see a, more universal appeal i guess then are you no audience wise i don't think so okay interesting um marcel rev is the uh, cinematographer okay i have not seen anything else he's done um jupiter's moon is the only one that i can recognize by name okay well let's move on to spoilers here so we can kind of dive into assassination nation uh josh where do you want to start um there's a lot of places to begin i mean the real there's there is really no spoiler i suppose for this movie um other than you realize that um gosh lily collins the main character oh yeah um her brother is actually the one who has caused all this mayhem for the town of salem yeah 
and he did it for LOLs. Yeah. He's this quiet, unassuming kid who just walks around his house slurping slushies in his bathrobe, and that's him. Uh-huh. And that's it. So I like he's just like that's the last ten seconds of the film. And it's supposed to be like, why'd you do it? What was your reason? Did you hate society or what? He's like, I just kind of thought it'd be funny. Yeah, but then it's like, I don't know. I did that at that point. Like they kind of set it up before then, where there's this other kid who they're like, oh, it could be this guy, or he at least knows who it is Mm -hmm. potentially, and he kind of turns the whole town against Lily. And then it's like, oh, but it was Lily's brother, and it's like, why was he like? I don't know. I don't know why he would necessarily. There's again, there's no reasoning why he makes this decision other than, oh, I mm-hmm. thought it'd be funny. Yeah. And like he goes after the mayor first and then he goes after the school principal. And then after that, his sister. Not specific, but like he's messaging her before the whole like the other half of the town's info dumps. Right. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. it's just like, so he's like, yeah, he's threatening his sister. Yeah. Um, cause he contacts her on Tumblr, I think is what the website Yeah. Was. Something like yeah. that. And it's just like, it, it, it just, there was no like showing that like, Oh, they have some sort of, uh, uneasy relationship. Like they hate mm-hmm. each other or anything. They even make like, they even kind of played off where like, Oh, well she's the rebellious one, but he's just the quiet kid who kind of does what the parents want. Yeah. And th- there's like no like confrontation there. So then for him to like, I don't know, I guess not have any motive behind, why he did this mm-hmm. like it, it kind of even lessened the impact even more it wasn't like oh well even if it was like a crazy guy who's just like i just wanted to see society fall into chaos and see if i could destroy this town it'd be like okay he was like doing it for like a social experiment or something mm-hmm. not great yeah but can understand it this kid's just doing it because he can and it's just like it, it's a there's like no a, further conversation to be yeah. had i guess in st- story wise i mean if you're looking for something revealing and dramatic um, that's not it. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be it. Like, there's nothing intricate about this story. It, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. But it's sort of that capstone of just like, oh, he's a troll. Mm-hmm. He's just the people. And, you know, kind of what comes out of the movie is um, in the soft reset, when everyone's messages and profiles and photos have all been leaked, um, everyone starts wearing masks. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this the opening? Why is this going on? And then I just finally realized everyone's secrets are out there. So you're hiding, you're, they're literally, people have begun to literally hide their identities Mm -hmm. to avoid repercussions and um, all sorts of other things that their online lives have sort of, you know, led for them. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of boils down to um, you don't know who's a good person, who's a bad person. Mm -hmm. You just know that everyone's just trying to kind of like, stay out of it right and like i feel like there's like a a conversation to be had within the movie Mm -hmm. about like well what's revealed about you is that really who you are Uh, or is this being twisted because it's being leaked that it's being taken away so like the principal losing the context yes the principal part of his leaks are like he has photos of his daughter who's like six years old Mm -hmm. taking a bath and instantly everybody turns it into just sort of like you know Personally, Pedophile. personally, yeah. I think that's weird. A little weird to have, you know, photos of your daughter bathing. Like, why would you need those? But like that everybody turns it in, like you said, into him. Oh, he's a pedophile. He was mm-hmm. doing things with his daughter. And uh, Odessa Young's character like comes to his defense a little bit with like the family table. And it's like, nobody is like, there's no proof to this. This is just people taking the photos and trying to spin a narrative over what yeah. is the reasoning behind having them. And that's the only 
only moment in the movie where they try to have any sort of conversation about what is actually happening to the people mm-hmm. whose lives are being affected by this. I mean, you get you get a little bit too, like yeah, and I think that's I think that is probably my one of my favorite moments. Yes, of the film is just that entire thread of what happens when you take when you suck out the context from everything and have and just get yourself thrown on mm-hmm. display, um, because that is a million percent true. Like I was like, yeah, that's absolutely totally makes sense. Um, but there, I think also it falls through with Odessa Young or with Lily's story about having that um sort of like a i don't know not an affair but her she just starts her relationship with her neighbor who was played by joel McHale, and it just sort of like spirals and that's kind of her description after everything sort of gets leaked and she gets discovered and um bill scarzard's character confronts her and Mm -hmm. um yeah like assaults her attacks her yeah i guess is the best way to describe what he does and she's just kind of confessing it to um, Neff's character. And I thought that was also a really great angle too. I mean, of just sort of like yeah, when you, when something bad happens in a relationship, like even if it's just, even if it's your messages or photos or anything like that's not like connected to it. Mm-hmm. It's just the word of mouth and things like that that gets spun out and then narratives build up and yeah. then your impressions of people become characters almost mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and i thought that was super interesting as well yeah that's true um the only the one other prop thing i had about this movie was that like some of the the way these events are portrayed and even the reactions people have mm-hmm. are like are, are over the top i mean like odessa young like lily she is outed as being like you know she's sending these pictures of joel McHale's character and it was oh she's just a slut so she's like right you know and then like the very next day some rando driving by is like oh there she is i'm gonna go stab her it's just like is that i mean i don't know i don't think that's a reaction that would regularly happen and so i mean i i'm not i'm not a celebrity i've never been embarrassed or publicly shamed or anything like that but I mean, people get attacked randomly just like walking home and things like that all the time. Yeah. And I mean, you'll, you'll read stories about people getting yeah. picked up and picked up. So if, ah, uh, you know, I just, I wouldn't put it past. Okay. Like I, that would, that, that was totally within, you know, ha- I mean, people get doxxed and yeah. swatted and you know, all of these things. And I saw that and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I it mean, it kind of feels okay. What the purge like anarchy yeah. that descends out of that is where it gets a little loose and crazy for me. Yeah, where me. then, like, the cop, like, he's like, hey, we got her. Mm-hmm. Come on out. And he's like, and he is maskless, but he's surrounded by everybody who's wearing masks. And it's like, yeah. like you're not doing your job. You're just trying to, like, I don't know. It, it just yeah. it was all weird. There's a thesis. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a line in the film where it says that 10% of the world's population are just cruel people. Mm-hmm. 10% are super empathetic. And then the other 80% can be swayed either way. And I, I, the cop was sort of like the one that got swayed. He's just like, oh, public opinion's this way. So let's yeah. go with public opinion, which and is then joining the, the lynch mob. The the one dude who um, hooks up with, uh, Neff. with, with Neff's character, mm-hmm. like then he is the other way then. Cause like, he's like, he's part of like, a, like, a, 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 they were all like football players, football players um, yeah. for the high school. And like, he's involved with them and they want to kill Hari Neff's character, Bex. 
and then he's like tasked with actually tying her up but they've hooked up earlier in the movie mm-hmm. and then he can't do it and it's just yeah. like I guess, I guess he would be the other like he's part of the eighty percent that swayed the opposite. He swayed. Right. He swayed the the way of aggression, but then he's also swayed back to yeah. a regular line of thinking. Because I mean, yeah, he's like sensitive enough to like. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a messy flick, for sure, literally and narrative and thematically. Mm-hmm. But I enough for me stood out to yeah. say, you know what? I, I I think I think in ten years, someone's gonna say Assassination Nation. Or some kids will be like, have you seen Assassination Nation? It's crazy. But it's yeah. like so true. And be like, yeah, people hated that movie or were mixed about it. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be something that people watch. I don't know. But by the end of it with her, um, I want to say her ransom video, <laughs> but yeah. her screed into the web, um, her monologue, though, about um, setting rules that we can't possibly live up to and mm-hmm. standards and things like that. Um like that that was really resonant. I think that was the clearest the movie could have been at that point. Uh and that's kind of like where I just like, all right, you did enough of what you're saying here at the end and at the beginning to earn uh a thumb two thumbs up for okay. me. Because I think that's what four ticket stubs means, right? Sure. I mean, I guess it depends on who you are, but raving <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like a mad lunatic would be five. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's all I've got on it. Yep. Um, it's, it's really hard to capture, but I think once you see it, you'll either land one that barely did its job or mm-hmm. the really did its job. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, depending on which opinion you thought was more in line with your line of thinking, I guess. Um, judge that for how you will and whether or not you should see this movie if you haven't already. Um, judging by its early box office, yeah, does no. not seem like many people have. So um, if you like Josh's take on the movie and you trust his opinion, then use that as a recommendation to go see it, I guess. Uh, we'll be right back in a bit, though, with the news. as we start with our three main topics this week kicking off with star wars and it's slowing down folks if you thought there was going to be a never-ending rollout of star wars movies rest of your life now that disney had acquired lucasfilm you guessed wrong just like basically everybody else uh bob Iger told thr this week that disney lucasfilm are planning or at least considering to slow down their star wars output saying quote i think the mistake that i made i take the blame was a little too much, too fast. You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. So this was kind of in response to, well, Solo didn't make as much money as people thought it would and also got mm, positive to mixed reviews. But then Lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes of the new Star Wars era. Yes, but then also Last Jedi split a lot of fans. So there's like this uneasy era for Star Wars. And instead of them just being like, well, who cares? We're going to make a billion dollars anyways. Let's just keep hitting them out every single year. It looks like they're actually going to take a step back, finish nine, and then maybe take a break. Do you think this is the right move? Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't shoot these movies out at light speed, you know, all the time. I think I think the trouble with Solo kind of underscore... The, under, the, the trouble with the production of Solo... 
underscored that Mm -hmm. as well as just Disney has too many movies now. Um, They wouldn't push the release date back, even though I am a hundred percent sure Lucasfilm asked them to. Oh, they they did. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's out there. And I'm like, I don't maybe make, make sure that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not I don't remember. Needlessly speculating. But, I feel like it was Star Wars Newsnet that mm-hmm. was the first one to report that that Lucasfilm asked, "Hey, you know, we're doing these mega reshoots. Can we push the film?" And Disney's like, "No, we will give you uh, the all the money you need to finish production, but you are hitting this release date. We're not yeah. delaying it. We're not giving you extra marketing because any marketing really. They were like, well, I mean, at a, at a certain point." You can't keep rewarding people who are like, you know, Rogue One had these same issues mm-hmm. and then Solo to an even greater degree. If You can't just be like, well, sure, no problem. We'll do whatever you need. And it looks like Mary Poppins Returns is going to take that December release date and run with it anyways. So. Right. But, you know, I, I think Bob Iger, I think Bob Iger's admitting a couple things here. They screwed the pooch on the rollout of Solo. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I was like, oh, he's kind of taking blame for it, but also, I mean, avoiding addressing it entirely. Yeah. Uh, however, I do think a slower approach to the rollout of these movies is a great idea, mainly because, number one, you don't want the market to be saturated with it. A Star Wars movie every two years is the right amount, um, especially because there's you're going to have a series running nonstop on your streaming service, mm-hmm. maybe two or three, or who knows what else is going to go on there. Um, then you're going to have the cartoon version of um, Star Wars Resistance going mm-hmm. for five years now. So there's going to be Star Wars year-round for everyone. You need to find a way to make these films special now. Mm-hmm. And whether it's going to be the um, uh, Benioff and Weiss series or Ryan Johnson's when those finally get off the ground, mm-hmm you're going to have to make sure there's a clear delineation between Star Wars content where it's coming at. Yeah. And this is going to be this is going to be good and it's going to get them back to that 900 million billion dollar per film mark. Um yeah. Well, I mean like uh, the, the the money aspect of it. It's like Star Wars 9 is not going to not make a billion dollars. Correct. Like that is Yes. Disney already like when they're projecting 2019 early 2020, they're already writing in uh, one billion dollars star wars nine mm-hmm. that is just guaranteed yep. uh even if the movie is terrible it is going to make a billion dollars yes and so it's like i don't think this is a money thing where they're like oh well you know if this if we just keep hitting them every single year we're gonna lose money because they did seven was the one of the highest grossing movies of all time biggest mm-hmm. opening weekend and then they did rogue one the year after made another billion last jedi made 1.3 1.4 and then it was Solo that came in, disappointed, underperformed, made just over $400 million worldwide, less than $400 million worldwide. Just over. Uh, right around there. And like Star Wars 9 is going to pick that back up. I have already confidence that whatever Star Wars movie would come out after that would do pretty well again, whether it came out in May or December, and get another close to a billion dollars. So I don't think this is like a... For me, I don't get the financial implication of like, well... You know, if you just keep churning out Star Wars movies, they become less special. They're not going to make as much money um, unless that's just inherent for Star Wars because it doesn't feel like that's the case for any other franchise. It's like, well, I wish we could get a Mission Impossible spinoff next year. I wish we could get three DC movies next year. I wish we could get six Marvel movies the year after. Like, it seems like fans, in in a general sense, want more content all the time. 
And so it's just weird to me that Star Wars feels like the one franchise where it's like, well, we can't do a movie every year because that's just too much. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, though, it's one studio managing these, Mm -hmm. and it's not a very big studio. They do two things, Indiana Jones movies and Star Wars movies. Uh Uh-huh. And they take a lot of effort to create, well, yeah. you know, that world. And I, I just think, I think part of the strategy is, and is looking at Disney's overall mm-hmm. slate. They didn't move it to December because they had Mary Poppins and there's one other film coming out for them. Not in December. I mean, they have Wreck it. They have Wreck it Ralph and Nutcracker in November. When is um, Dumbo? Is Dumbo. Night? Dumbo's next March. Okay, never mind then. But they obviously didn't want to move it for that reason. Mm-hmm. They'd already have Mary Poppins slated, and they'd set this release date a days in advance. Or yeah, not days. I wouldn't say decades, yeah, years. But <laughs> yeah, they they had this planned out for two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think I think the recognition of doing too much too fast is right. But at the same time, I think I do, I guess I do agree with you though. Also that, yeah, they hadn't missed the billion dollar mark until this one point. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, I think it's really just a recognition of, okay, if we make one every year, we have to find a place for it every year. Yeah. And planting it one month, three weeks, two weeks, right mm-hmm. after the $2 billion grabbing infinity war. Yeah. Basically the movie of the summer um, was a bad idea. I mean, Disney did help itself. They moved Infinity War up. They kept Solo where it was. It was a it was a month apart exactly. Right. So yeah. I don't think that's that big of an issue. Where like for a lot of Disney movies, they'll have you know Nutcracker come out the first week of November. Two weeks later, there's Wreck It Ralph or mm-hmm. um, Ant Man the Wasp comes out, and then two weeks later, there's Christopher Robin or. Black Panther comes out and then six weeks later, Infinity War. Like, I mean, yes, it is a, just a, like it's a problem in this, in a sense where Disney has so much content. Yes. Where do you put it all? Um, I think that this is actually, you know, even though I'm, I feel like I'm being critical of this decision. Um, I just more so just don't understand it from Disney's perspective from a money decision. I do think though, that this will benefit star Wars. Yes. In the long run. 100%. Um, because even though, selfishly and you know i guess from disney's perspective i think they can and probably should make a stars movie every single year right now at this point in time i think having the 18 month gap between solo and episode nine is another great thing for star wars because there's still those people who are like oh make solo two happen you know they're still talking about how solo underperformed or should have been better or should have been released in august or september or december and we're going to have a lot of time after that kind of solo movement stuff has died down to then just like sit back, relax, uh, and then wait for episode nine stuff to kick in around Star Wars Celebration next year. And then from that point on, everybody will gear up for Star Wars 9. And that's the other thing. If Star Wars 9 hits, is Disney really going to be like, well, we just made $2.5 billion. Yeah, let's take a break. No, they're going <laughs> to... Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to take a break, but they're just going to be like... Well, I mean, like, do you think there's going to be a Star Wars movie in 2020? No. Yeah, me neither. I don't think there will be one in 2021 either. Really? Yeah. So you I think, think there's the going to ne- be a three-year gap 
I think Between early nine, 2022. And the first movie in Benioff and Wise's series. May 2022, I think, is the first Star you, Wars movie. You want to keep it in May? Yeah, I think they'll move it back to May. They want that date because it's sacred for the original trilogy. That's that original trilogy's landing spot. And they were really wanted to get it there. Yeah, but that's the only one. For the last the, two movies. That's the only one the Star Wars Disney run that is not hit financially was the May they carved out their own niche with December who now other studios are taking that mm-hmm. absence. I mean, you can just look at Aquaman, Bumblebee, Alita, yes. Holmes and Watson. Um, and what's the other one? Oh, mortal engines. I think. Yes. All come out the same weekend this year in December. Cause it's just like, Oh, and Mary Poppins now. So it's like literally all of those movies are like, well, we need to get the star Wars money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they should ultimately look and be like, why, why do we move in the first place? Yeah. December, I mean, yes, May is you know connected to the original movies, but Disney's also kind of in the last decade staked out May as a Marvel month for them. Why put out a giant, usually their biggest Marvel movie in May, and then there's one Star Wars entry in the mm. same month. Just spread your content out. You're going to get all those Fox properties too. I think they should just keep it in December. Oh, geez. Have... Right. Have uh, the first installment of the Ben Affleck Wise movie come out December 2021, and you go from there. And if if you go back to it every single year, great. Or if you'd like, we're just going to do every two years, and then it'll go Ben Affleck Wise, and then we'll get the Ryan Johnson film two years after that, and then we'll get the sequel to the Ben Affleck Wise movie two years after that. Maybe that also just feels like a very long time to wait between sequels in this day and age. But oh, man, yeah, um, that's another reason why I think you almost have to do a movie a year, but. We'll ultimately see how this plays out for Disney. I mean, like I said, if Star Wars 9 breaks box office records, I don't think they're going to just be like, okay, yeah, wipe your hands clean. Oh, that was a good trilogy. Let's sit back for a couple of years and uh, soak it all in. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, you know, that's, that is the one argument that can be made that would sway me is you have two franchises in the pipeline. You you can't wait a decade mm-hmm. to tell those stories. Well, and what if they want to do more spinoffs? What if they do want to make another Han Solo movie, but it's you know focused on Lando, and you know Alden pops in as a cameo or as a supporting role? Service. I mean that that's very possible. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the future of spinoff films. If they go, I mean not saga films, but they go the the bigger stuff mm-hmm. on in theaters, and then they do. The, the the smaller movies the spinoffs yeah. on streaming that's possible. Dollar Tree's Obi One Kenobi film, Mangold's Boba Fett film, mm-hmm. like that 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 would be the dumping ground for it. Yeah, I mean I can get... see that. Or even series. I mean, if Favreau who says his thing is going on for years, mm-hmm. I mean it could be a two to three year commitment, and then they get it's James Mangold yeah. to show run a Boba Fett limited series that runs for ten episodes, and that's the end of that. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's equal parts Lucasfilm strategy. Disney owns fifty studios that pump out hundred million dollar films yeah. a year. Where do you put those? How do you stagger them? Um, and then there's the streaming service play. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, slow down's a good call for yes. the quality of Star Wars films. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know if it necessarily impacts the quality of them. I think it's just for right now in the state of Star Wars fandom. Uh, I think it's good for them to take a break and let people breathe, collect themselves, and then get re-energized by, I believe, a great Star Wars Episode Nine. Okay. <laughs> so let's move on then to DC. 
And THI reported this week that we have a short list for who could possibly star opposite of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. So the names being rumored for Black Canary are Gugu and Botha Raw, Journey Smollett Bell, and and possibly Janelle Monet. She has not actually tested for the role yet, but they are interested in her. Um, as for Huntress, Margaret Qualley from The Leftovers, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Kristen Maloti, um, who's most recently in the Black Mirror Star Trek um, spoofing episode, yeah. um, are in the mix for Huntress, as well as, according to Deadline, and I think The Rap even mentioned her as well, Sophia Butella, but THR kind of squashed that as being that she's actually involved, but there are other outlets saying she is. We have to throw her name out there. And then Renee Montoya, she is being um, considered um, as just Justina Machado and Roberta Calindres. Both of them are up for that role. Josh, a lot of ladies up for these different parts. Do you have any that stand out to you? These, do these seem like the right decisions to make? Are they going the right direction? I mean, this is like a slate or slew of talented people. Mm-hmm. Um, all around, but definitely seeing Mary Tyler or Mary Elizabeth Winstead, not Mary Tyler, more <laughs> wrong person. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's name on there was like, whoa, mm-hmm. getting great actresses. Like, is she just doesn't seem like the interested in a huge franchise type, I guess. But if her name, if she's up for a role or looking to grab a role like this, that means whatever's in the works here is going to be kind of genre-y and mm-hmm. fun and a little bit um, sarcastic, I guess is the word. I mean, yeah, I feel like there, there, there will definitely be the banter like there's between a, the team. There's a type of movie that she's in, and I'm like, if this is going to be kind of that film, mm-hmm. I am so here for it. Because I just think she's she's great. Ten Cloverfield Lane, Fargo. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, of course, the classic. And there's one other. Um, CBS had this really short series called Brain Dead um, about aliens getting into politicians brains and eating Jeez. them alive it, it was just so funny but it was it's weird it was weird and funny but mm-hmm. she was so great at it um a hundred percent here for that though and also seeing juju mbath Ra's name on there I, she is a, an intelligent talented actress but cannot get a good project to save <laughs> her life i was so sad when 10 or cloverfield paradox mm-hmm. just crashed and burned in real time um after the super bowl and then as well as the other netflix movie she followed up with um irreplaceable you i mean and even um she was in a wrinkle in time that movie crashed at the box office as well mm-hmm. so you seeing her um name back on there was awesome mm-hmm. and then um kristen malat uh, Miloti. Miloti as well. So good in the um, Star Trek episode. I forget yeah, its name. Uh, U.S. Callister. Yep. So good. I would argue it's not a spoof, but a critique. But I anyway. mean, it, it's it's done in the vein of Star Trek. Okay, sure. But yeah, awesome. Really talented. And I, yeah, I think she would be great as well. So, yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, yes, I, I, I think all of these names are very fascinating they're interesting i would love to see the cloverfield team since they're off that franchise is dead they're not gonna have a crossover event <laughs> yes if it is margot robbie gugum bathara and mary elizabeth winstead headlining birds of prey sign me up uh that seems like a great choice even though personally if i had to go my personal picks i would take uh Raw as black canary and then i'd take sophia butella as huntress because i think she just would be such a great 
uh, physical presence for that movie and kick a lot of butt in the process. There, I want to see her have another big action role that is going to last longer than just one movie. Yeah, where she's great in Hotel Artemis, she was great in Kingsman, and like I just want to see more of her. So getting her in this Huntress role would, I, I believe, at least signify some uh, longevity with the DC franchise. Um, and but the, the Renee Montoya casting. I'm not familiar with either of these two ladies, so it's kind of just up to them. I don't have a personal preference um, between them, but both are you know, highly regarded for their respective shows. Machado from Jane the Virgin and Kalindra's from Girls. So it looks like you know Birds of Prey is obviously gearing up to finish casting. They they reportedly want to finish casting in the next like two to three weeks, so it, it may not be too long before we actually know who in fact is getting these parts. THR also noted that uh, there are other names that are not mentioned here that are also in the mix. So whoever ends up getting any of these roles could be a totally new face to us who have not you know, that are not listed on this list. So um, just something to keep an eye out for. But yeah, I mean, Birds of Prey looks like it's moving on really well. And it looks like they're casting up pretty well, too. I mean, Margot Robbie talked about previously how she wanted a diverse cast around her, that she was going to flex her producer muscles um, with the project to make sure that happened. But then all the early kind of buzz was like, oh, he hits Blake Lively and Alexander Daddario and Vanessa Kirby. And I was like, okay, like those are all really talented people. I think they'd all do good in the roles, mm -hmm. but that's not what was lining up with what, you know, Margot had said before this group of casting definitely does so uh, i definitely want to see who of this group ends up getting these parts birds of prey when it got announced was that around the same time that like david air was got got announced for that was definitely old it was, regime it was when she it made was that after right when she made what statement about the, about birds the of diverse prey? casting yeah no it was within the hamada statement or his reign i believe okay because yeah David Ayer was announced for Gotham City Sirens like two years ago, I mm -hmm. think, like right around, like, it was probably a couple months after Suicide Squad came out, and it was like, oh, this guy's coming oh, back. he's sticking around. Okay, interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, but she's also doing this other movie, and they're also developing this other project, and mm -hmm. uh, this one's one that came up, and it's actually going to get made, so. Yeah. Kathy Ann's already on the direct. So mm -hmm. like, I kind of like, I think that's kind of like the first, it was like the first peg. Yeah. I'm following through with that though. Mm -hmm. was getting Kathy. So yep. right, very cool though. I love all great things. Yeah. And you mentioned Kathy Yan directing uh, birds of prey. Marvel ha hired another female director of their own, according to THR where Chloe Zhao has been tapped to direct the Eternals. The movie is said to be uh, partially focused on Icarus and Cersei's love story. And Zhao's hiring makes her the latest female director to join the MCU, uh, making her the second one other than Kate Shortland to direct a movie solo, while Anna Bowden is getting the first credit on Captain Marvel as the co-director. Uh, but she is the first Chinese director for the MCU as well. And I think she's even the first Chinese director for a superhero movie in general, um, which is pretty cool. So Marvel is also reportedly looking to add a diverse cast around her. So even though the Eternals traditionally in the comics are the, the white chiseled blonde hair people, mm -hmm. that is not how they're going to look in the Eternals movie with Zhao backing it. Josh, are you familiar with her work? Have you seen the writer? What do you think of this hiring? I have not seen the writer, so I have no idea what I'm talking about okay. at all. So you've seen the writer. <laughs> I have seen the you writer. You just told me that. You tell me. I'll say this. It looks beautiful. It is. 
Okay. It is. It is gorgeous. Um, and I think I tweeted out after watching the writer. I was like, well, if she is able to bring the um, the quietness, the character, uh, the personal character stuff that she's able to do with the writer, bring out performances because the cast and the writer are all real people playing theatrical versions of themselves, mm-hmm. and she gets great performances out of every single person. If she was able to bring in that direction, mix it in with the Jack Kirby visuals that Taika Waititi and James Gunn have started to bring to the cosmic side of the MCU, I think this could be a really special movie, especially if they get a diverse cast around her. I've already thrown out Henry Golding and Constance Wu to headline the movie as Icarus and Cersei because if you're going to get a diverse cast around them and you're going to focus this movie on a love story, why not get the couple behind the hottest romance movie um in the last you know like decade or something so uh i'm all here for this hiring um she was also in the mix for black widow prior to kate shortland getting directed so she or getting the job so she obviously left an impression with marvel she beat out travis knight who uh is directing bumblebee so his name is also you know rising the ranks as he's meeting with marvel she beat out some other people as well but this looks like to me a very great hire or a very great hire. A yeah. Gr- is that <laughs> a very great hire? Okay. A very great hire for Marvel on the Eternals. Yeah. It makes, yeah. That, that sentence makes sense. Um, Eternals is happening. I guess that's like yeah. the only thing it would, it's, it was abstract, you know, hiring a writer type of a thing, but now it's the, the gears are actually propelling it forward. Now that you have a director. Mm-hmm. So phase four for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you said 2022, I think, in our phase yeah, four I, prediction. Totally I wrong. said November 2020. I feel like that's going to be right unless, I mean, this is the tricky thing about this because her hiring is not technically official yet, just as Kate Shortland's not technically official yet, and nothing on Marvel's phase four slate other than Spider-Man Far From Home is official. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of left in this uh, this unknowing place of like, well, we don't know what Marvel's going to do. So they could they could bump um, Black Widow up to be the May movie, and then Eternals could get the July slot. Or Eternals, if they want to stick Cosmic in May, Eternals could get the prime spot in May, and then mm-hmm. Black Widow stays in July, and like Doctor Strange two comes in November, or Doctor Strange two. Scott Derrickson keeps tweeting out vague images and comic panels from Doctor Strange, teasing like you know that something is happening. So if he's developing the movie and he's gearing up. And there were those rumors about, you know, Ben Cumberbatch getting a pay raise and those movies looking to shoot early 2019. Mm-hmm. That movie could jumpstart into early 2019, take the May slot, Black Widow takes July, and Eternals takes November, just as I predicted. Um, so, for selfish reasons, I hope that's how it plays out because it'll make you look like a genius. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this is great. And yeah, Eternals is definitely in it, wherever it comes, it is a 2020 release date for sure. Because Zhao's hiring, and she's gonna she's a writer and director, so she'll probably take a pass at the at the script that the Furpo brothers turned in, um, correct it in any way she thinks needs to be done, and then gear up for production to start next year at some point. So um, Eternals is happening, as Josh said, it's happening very soon, much sooner than I think a lot of people would have thought. Yeah, like just less than a year ago. Especially too, if it's gonna take like Guardians of the Galaxy three slot, mm-hmm. then yeah, it'll be basically instantaneous where we get a yeah. casting and then the release date do you think you know if it does hypothetically do that do you think we're going to get any um you know reshoots are happening right now for avengers 4 you know not to say they already have somebody cast for icarus or anything but do you think that they could as i hypothesized go back for a second round of reshoots early next year after maybe they've cast a couple eternals people 
and work them into a cameo scene? Have they already have like, you know, plate shots so they can just go and put these people in front of a green screen and costume, <laughs> stick them in the movie somehow, or even a post credit scene for the Eternals? No, I don't think that happens. Okay, I think you just let Avengers Assemble end. And is that the title? I have no idea. <laughs> Do you know what the the picture from the Russos was? Oh no, I have no idea. All right, well, I, I I scoured <laughs> every pixel of that and couldn't figure out anything. I know. I thought it was gonna be like one of those uh, IHOP video things. Zoom in here, zoom in there. Yeah, gotcha. I <laughs> think no. Um, that movie will end, and it'll just be that's it. The quiet, slow music, some kind of rendition of the original Celestri yeah. piano score will play. And then we'll get the credit rolls like they did in the. Um, I mean, there, there will definitely War. be a post-credit scene for Avengers Four. Maybe there will definitely be one. I don't know. I mean, if anything, it'll just be like a tease of Spider-Man: Far From Home. Exactly. Or just think of the impact of not having one, and then you just you get Spider-Man: Far From Home, and then you're like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I mean, thing. the only reason that makes sense in my mind to be like, oh, what's coming next? You don't know. We're not going to tell you. Is if like. We Spider, if, if <laughs> yes. Avengers 4 also ends on a cliffhanger and it's like what are you doing yeah. and then they're like Avengers surprise 5. Avengers 5 comes out next May and you're like uh, what's happening and they just keep doing that for eternity oh, I mean I'm not going to complain but that I mean I actually I, I may complain that'd be a little annoying uh, but let's move on to take it or skip it here mm-hmm. we have a bunch of trailers to talk about or not talk about all of them but pick our favorite um, we got our second trailer for Girl in the Spider's Web the second trailer for Mary Poppins Returns the first trailer for Captain Marvel the first trailer for Apostle uh, the second full trailer for for Ralph Breaks the Internet and the second trailer for The Oath. Josh, of these movies, which one is getting your ticket this week? Um, I liked every trailer I saw this week. Same. I loved Ralph Breaks the Internet just because it had a new Imagine a Dragon song attached to it. Yeah, it's an original for the movie. Zero. Listen to it all day yesterday, but I'm not going to give a ticket to it. I've already given a ticket to Ralph. I mean, uh, come on. Don't, don't need to give it a second ticket. Are we really going to? No. Are we really going to talk about anything else other than Captain Marvel? I mean, the girl in the spider's web trailer. I still think that movie looks great. It looked better than the first. I'll, you all give it credit for that. A lot more of Keith Stanfield. So that's yes. Always bonus points. <laughs> he wasn't in the first one at all, was he? He was. I think or, he, had, he had one shot because yes. he made the tweet. I was like, I was the only black guy in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's Captain Marvel. It is Captain Marvel. Take it all the way. I don't know what the heck's going on. The narrative looks super interesting. And um, uh, it looks like it's going to be sort of like a um, psychological thriller for Captain Marvel mm-hmm. in some respects. Trying to put pieces back of her past. Um, but then just everything else. Yeah. It looks really good for like the first trailer already. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Yeah. Ticket. I mean, yes, my ticket obviously is Captain Marvel, even though, like you said at the top, I, all of these trailers really impressed me. Apostle looks really cool. Mary Poppins looks like a lot of fun. Uh, the oath looks hysterical, but Captain Marvel, it looks like it actually, no, it, I can't say it was exactly what I expected because it wasn't. I was expecting a more traditional Marvel teaser trailer mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, here's here's the intro to the characters, here's some jokes, here's some teases of the plot, and then we're gonna end with like you know a tease of the full costume, and then we're gonna end, we're gonna we're gonna cliffhang it, or we're gonna tag it with another joke. They didn't really do any of that. No, not the the not having the tag at the joke, I think, really set the tone for the trailer in retrospect because the the trailer is not funny there is the one laugh moment where she punches an old lady which is clearly a scrawl pretending to be an old lady or a scrawl playing captain marvel who is trying to terrorize the earth and is punching people to make people afraid of her 
I think it's probably the former, yes. but the latter is also an interesting theory that somebody, you know, mentioned mm-hmm. this week. So, um, but like you, like you mentioned, this is more of like a very serious trailer where it's showing different portions of her life. It right. is, it starts with, I mean, I guess the, the, probably the most comedic moment of the trailer is the very beginning where she crashes into blockbuster. And yeah. Like, just oh, blockbuster. blockbuster. <laughs> like, cool. Um, it, it instantly establishes this is the nineties or at least this is not the current day because mm-hmm. there's one blockbuster store left. Yes. Um, and it has like Deadpool's taken over or something, I think. Um, so like it does a really great job from there on of going, all right, well, here's, you know, the mystery of it. Here's the, you know, the hints of, well, she doesn't remember her life before we got the tease of her origin with like mm-hmm. the explosion and she's like getting taken over by it. Um, it all just looked like what I really wanted to see from this movie, but without the humor. And I'm okay with that. Um, I think the movie is ultimately going to have those moments and you know, there's people complaining, well, she's not smiling. Who cares? She's a superhero. <sighs> she is kicking, butt. why she have to be smiling and it spawned even as much as stupid as I think that criticism is, it spawned a lot of great, uh, you know, clapbacks and memes, yeah, I sure. guess, of people like photoshopping smiles onto, you know, posters for Iron Man 3 or Captain America. <laughs> right. And it's just like, like, like none of these people smile in any of their stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, why do people expect yes. her to smile? To, yeah. Like, it's just such a dumb criticism that somehow caught a lot of fire online. Um, but yeah, I mean, the action looks great. I think Brie Larson looks really great in the role. Mm-hmm. The Star Force look really cool. Um, I just really want to see a lot more of this movie, and March can't get here soon enough. Yeah, it's it's a movie that is very... I don't know what Bowden and Fleck came up with. Mm-hmm. Like, for, Did they help write? Uh, I mean, they probably did something with the script. Can't imagine they wouldn't have. But I, the... But marketing-wise, for sure, it is very aware of its position in the Marvel universe mm-hmm. it knows it's following up infinity war even though technically it's ant-man did but didn't <laughs> so i mean none of the movies are technically it's following very where it's the first movie that's going to be talked about and have attention put on it mm-hmm. before the big one well yeah i mean it's it's the it's the bridge it, it she was the tease mm-hmm. at the end yes of infinity war and we have to learn why is she the last person exactly that Nick Fury calls? Yeah, one million percent right. Um, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be about her. Uh, the entire movie uh, or the entire trailer um, just focuses on who who's Carol Danvers. We don't get anything about scrolls. We don't get anything about Sam Jackson other than, hey, uh, you're here and you weren't yeah. here before. <laughs> so who are you? She's like. I don't really know, but also I do kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really excited for that aspect of it, though. Uh, because there's these those vignettes of her past, of her falling down, and the things like that that are making me think, oh, man, this is going to be kind of really, really cool when mm-hmm. she ends up. I don't know how it's going to play out, but there's, there's just these inklings of what's to come that I think are going to be really satisfying yeah. payoff. I will say though, as a whole though, the trailer is kind of wishwashy. Like it's like, it's not the greatest trailer ever cut, no, but I there mean, are like, elements posited into it that I'm like, I want to know about that. Please tell me more. And it just, it, I was already sold on Captain Marvel, but now I'm like, Oh man, just give mm-hmm. it to me now, please. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll watch I, anything. I mean, I will say like this move, this trailer did not 
exceed my expectations or blow me away in a sense of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just did that. Or I need to see this, this very second. Like if this mm-hmm. movie's out in theaters today, I would absolutely be there. Yeah. But it's not like the trailer didn't do anything to further hype me up than the hype bar was already at. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. The, the conversation around it has already been somewhat close to what we saw. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it in a You're way. Speechless. I, I'm yeah. No, I'm speechless. I'm talking <laughs> right now. I'm not speechless. I'm talking right now, but I just think Bowden, I don't know. Bowden Fleck may have one of the more unique Marvel films mm-hmm. out because we're, we're getting back down to character mm-hmm. um, here and we haven't been there for a while. So we didn't miss Spider-Man a little bit, but anyway, yeah, it's good. I don't know. I can't wait. Yeah, so let's jump into the flyby and start with the first official look at Joaquin Phoenix as the jokester himself. The Joker, Josh, we got an official look at him without the makeup, and then we got an official look at him with makeup, and then there were set leaks, videos, photos, mm-hmm. just the whole shebang. Shebang. I was like, I felt like that was the word I was going for, but I was like, yeah. that doesn't seem right at the same time. <laughs> I don't know why I'm having enchilada. Yeah. The whole enchilada, uh, the whole lasagna, um, whatever it is, the Joker is offering up everything this week as it starts filming. We got our first looks at Phoenix as the character. Did it change your opinion at all? Did you think he looks good? What, what are you thinking? I was, I knew I was going to love Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. He's got the look down completely. Him and Todd Phillips, um, Todd Phillips is on the right track mm. with this entire movie, and the Joker. You you gotta sell me on him, um, and I'm sold on this version. This elsewhere edition of him looks good. Uh, it's a little bit not like the Joker, mm-hmm. like the in the traditional sense. It looks more like a sad clown face. Yeah, more than anything. Which I mean, there's already theories that this is just the first iteration of his look and that it'll evolve as the movie progresses yeah for sure he's not gonna get it right the first time um but yeah no it looks it looks like he's crazy mm-hmm. before he's professionally crazy yeah you know and yeah i'm 100 percent here for it i was up here for it as soon as they cast him and as soon as they not as soon as they announced it i'd no. be sold on the announcement yeah, I, remember, I remember the announcement it was uh we had colton on you guys were both very uh, uninterested in the po- in the project, and I was more like, "Yeah, I don't know. This could be interesting, but it could also be very terrible." Yeah, I am. I'm. I am. I'm good for it now. And yeah, this first look is just excitement. Yeah, I mean, that I think again, just to kind of echo that, I think Phoenix looked great in the role. Um, I like as mentioned, I was kind of the one that was like, "I don't know. I don't like an origin movie for the Joker." Do we really need that? Right. I and, thought it was antithetical to the, who the character was. Right. And so, and like, it was interesting because before, like if they didn't show him actually in the makeup, we still may have talked about the, just the photo of him just looking like a skinny version of Joking Phoenix and his, mm-hmm. his character's name is Arthur Fleck. And I was going to be like, well, I'm not going to approach this as a Joker movie. I'm going to approach it as a, a movie called Arthur. That is just Joking Phoenix and Todd Phillips doing like some madman um, criminal movie. And that's how I'm going to approach it. But now it actually looks like they're actually going like into the Joker elements. Like if they're already filming stuff with his face painted, I think we're actually going to see a lot more of him in that look than I, than I would initially have thought like before I was like, all right, like it's just going to be called the Joker and he's, he's just going to like be that descent into madness, the whole movie. And then the last 10 minutes he'll, he'll wear the makeup. Yeah. And now it looks like we're actually going to get it like 
early in Act 1, throughout Act 2, and then probably his final look in Act 3. And if that's the case, um, and just like his his mannerisms and everything, it looks like Phoenix could really knock this out of the, out of the park. So, mm-hmm. um, Moving on to Bond 25, MGM and Eon announced that Kerry Fukunaga uh, is going to direct the movie after Danny Boyle's exit. Filming, now that he is on board, has been delayed till next March which has then delayed Bond's release date from November 8th next year to early February 2020. Josh, is this this a good choice for Bond 25? Yes. It 100% is a great choice. Although, A Beast of No Nation is Mm -hmm. like the furthest I've gone into them. You haven't seen uh, True Detective season one? No. Me neither. Well, I've seen one episode. I've seen people spoof it, talk (laughs) about it, and GF Matthew McConaughey's performance Mm -hmm. in it a billion times, but that's it. So I'm kind of in the dark about his style and how he directs, and that's it. Yeah, I'm left there, other than Beast of the Nation, which really... I don't know if it's going to translate to a Bond yeah. film so much unless it just really explores the past of how Bond became Bond. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Bond 25 is happening. Yeah. And there you go. As of now. And people seem to like him on Twitter. Yes. People people love Kerry Fukunaga. He was actually supposed to direct it um, originally prior yes. to Andy Muschietti, but he departed the project due to creative differences. And I, I, jeez, I cannot talk today. You I suspect mm-hmm. that that will happen here. You don't think? I don't think this will stick. Really? That's just my crazy prediction. That's going to come, you know, late this year, early next year. Um, just because Danny Boyle already had creative differences over the project. Um, I think Fukunaga has. He he wants to do what he wants to do, which is why he did Maniac with Netflix. It's why he left True Detective after just one season. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his very specific vision, and if Craig and the Bond people have a certain idea of where they want Bond to go, be portrayed, and his career at, and Fukunaga wants to change that in any ways, I think he's a pretty firm director if he, it's his vision or not. And if they say no, then I could see this leaving. I could see him leaving if I'm wrong. If he stays, great. He's a talented guy. Um, I think he can do a good job with Bond, but I'm just skeptical at this point that this actually happens. Sure. We'll see. Um, But we'll also see after Bond left its November slot next year, Fox swooped in very quickly and claimed the November 2019 release date for itself for Kingsman 3. Matthew Vaughn has confirmed to return to write and direct the movie. Josh, I was down on Kingsman 2. You... Were as well? Mm-hmm. Just didn't think it made a whole lot of sense. So now Kingsman 3, we both loved the first one. Yeah. Not a huge fan of the second. The third one's coming now next year. What I mean, are, are we are we hyped about it? Are we just mildly curious? Where are we at? Matthew Vaughn does not have the benefit of the doubt for me Ooh. with this franchise. Just whatever he does next needs to be like the exact opposite of what he did in Kingsman 2. Um, Mm -hmm. outside of action. The action was excellent as ever, but story-wise, it just kind of, I don't know if it was like stumbling around drunk or, (laughs) but that's the best way to describe what it it did. Um, It was sort of bland and CGI heavy. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, the whole thing is CGI heavy. Yeah. But, but more so than the first movie. More so than the first. The first one felt like a real 
you know, it felt like a mini Mission Impossible movie, mm-hmm. a good Mission Impossible movie. Yes. Um. Anyway, and like it for for like kids or whatever the case is, or young adults. Kingsman feels like Mission Impossible for young adults, teenagers. It is more violent, more vulgar. <laughs> yeah, you know, it but, is. It is the Mission Impossible for adults. <laughs> maybe no, 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 because teenagers see rated R movies. Like, well, yeah, that's like their thing. So, you know, I don't know. Point being. It's gonna have to win me over, casting, marketing, trailer. I'm gonna have to be the movie. They're gonna have to sell me this movie before I say mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see another Kingsman movie, and for Vaughn to get the chance to close it out correctly instead of like two being the final one, and before like, Disney comes in and just like crashes it, the franchise uh, potentially. So on that aspect, I am excited for the movie. But I also, like you, want to see more, figure out where they're going with the story. You know, can Channing Tatum actually get more than two minutes of screen time? Can Halle Berry actually do something in the mm-hmm. film as well? Um, like, are the statesmen going to be involved at all? Or are they, like, in a spinoff of their own? Or is this just going to be Colin Firth and Taron Edgerton on a new adventure against a new villain, hopefully a much better villain than Julian Moore's character? So I have questions. I have concerns. But ultimately, I am still a fan of that first Kingsman movie, mm-hmm. a big fan of it. So I want to see a return to form yes, for this franchise. For sure. I'm rooting for it. Yes. But at the same time, like I said, I got to be sold. True. Um, do you have to be sold on Space Jam and LeBron James's version of it now that Ryan Coogler has been attached to the film to produce? Um, James also told THR that the movie is not a sequel to the Michael Jordan Space Jam movie, but he still wants to see a Michael Jordan cameo Coogler's involved. Michael B. Jordan. Michael Jordan <laughs> might be. It's not a sequel. What are your thoughts on Space Jam Two now? Love it. Being you're getting the biggest name right now. I mean, um, the biggest African American director <laughs> in the United States to produce it, to look over it, to make sure it's moving and flowing well. Ryan Coogler's got such style, and he got the best basketball player of this gener his generation signed on the lead. Yeah. So yeah, I'm stoked. This is great. Don't have to be sold on it. I'll see it even if everyone pans it in reviews. <laughs> but I, I have a feeling that it's going to be one of those where people that 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, it knows what it is. It's fun. LeBron James is going to have a great film but, uh, career. I, like I expect it to be like a 67% Rotten Tomatoes, but then like a 95 audience rating. <laughs> okay, yeah. People are just like the people who want to see another space movie mm-hmm. are going to go see this movie and love it. I assume. Well, Reagan. the critics are going to be like, oh, this story sucks. Yeah, <laughs> this acting okay. is terrible. But everyone gave um, LeBron great reviews in um, Trainwrecked. Yeah, true. People are like, oh, he's so good. He knows. like, He's he's he's, he's down with being campy. Well, that's like five minutes, right? Five, I think he, uh, he's like ten, he's got he's got like ten minutes. Okay, no, 10 that, minutes that's not ten? that's not an hour and a half leading role. No, <laughs> opposite uh, acting opposite of CG characters. That's that's a good point, which is difficult. So I don't know, but it'll break in five hundred million dollars worldwide or something like that, and then we'll all be like Space Jam three. Space well, we'll need Space, Space Jam, Jam two point <laughs> one, whatever the case is. I don't know. I, it's, it's just cool. I'm so glad it's off the ground. Yes, same as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, Coogler, you can't go wrong getting him attached to any project. I think it at least adds further credibility to it. I mean, like, Coogler's not going to attach his name because this is the first movie he's attached himself to since Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So if he's coming on board to produce, that tells me that they at least have a good 
idea, a good concept that they, he believes they can execute it in some yeah. ways. Um, so that's exciting. And yeah, I mean, we're going to cast it as far as our big questions. So th- that should be fun as well. You guys keep an eye out for that in the next couple of days. Just really excited to see his take on basketball. Yeah. I mean, we got, we saw a glimpse of it in the beginning of Black yeah, Panther. Nice, smooth one uh, one takes, mm-hmm. but see that expanded out. Yeah, I mean, he's not like he's directing the movies, so right. But I'm sure he can help. He can he can throw some some pointers out there. Yeah. Um, moving on to Harley Quinn versus the Joker. Uh, Glenn Ficarra and John Recco, who are scheduled to direct the movie, and they're actually also writing it. They told Metro this week that they have finished their script, and they're just waiting for Warner Brothers in DC to basically give them the green light to go make it now. So um, they acknowledge that Birds of Prey is the obviously the focus for them and that they will come after that movie. If they get, if they do get the green light, um, do you want to see this movie? Are you happy the script is done or you just don't care? Script's gotta be really good or else they described it as a mashing of bad Santa. And this is us. Yeah. That sounds like it could be interesting. Uh, especially this is us, especially if you get Sterling K Brown to jump in there. Um, <laughs> there's also a rumor that Steve Harvey had like a, a spot or in the uh, Dr. Phil or Dr. Phil had. Yeah. Like if it's, if it goes that route where they have those two sitting on, you know, chairs opposite each other or something like that. Yeah. That could be hilarious. I'm hundred percent here for it. Yeah. I mean, this movie is uh, at least interesting. The idea of Harley and Joker trying to fix the relationship. Um, the bad Santa, this is us vibe don't really get that. That, that that seems like two extremes uh that you try to then mash together potentially but um you know if it is actually good then we will actually get to see this movie and uh hopefully that is the case after birds of prey uh then moving on to uh a story from ew where they talked to camille nanjiani and he confirmed to them that him and his wife and writing partner emily v gordon are indeed working on another movie following their oscar nomination for the big sick I am thrilled about this because The Big Sick was one of my favorite movies of last year, and I really just can't wait to see what they're going to do next. There are no details on what the movie is going to be or even when it could get made, if it'll get made, but I, I need this thing to happen. I need more Kumail. Yeah, absolutely. They've got traction. They've got heat, um, and they wrote one of the most the most original um, rom-com mm-hmm. that I've seen in a while. So Based on their true experience. Yeah, based on their true experience. Just crazy. Exactly. Uh, then THR also reported that Patrick Stewart has joined the Charlie's Angels reboot. He'll be playing a another version of Bosley, who is also going to have a version played by Elizabeth Banks, who's also directing the movie. Um, Patrick Stewart, big fan of his. Don't know anything about Charlie's Angels. Haven't seen the movies, haven't seen the TV shows. But him getting involved it makes me more interested in the movie, I guess, than making me less interested. So, cool. Yeah, more Patrick Stewart is always good. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that'll shake out to have two of them or maybe well, i guess he's... bosley's like the lead of the organization so the idea would then be that well elizabeth banks is leading the group that we actually see in the movie and then patrick stewart's like leading another group or something so there's like there's like multiple he's the villain there's oh, multiple charlie's angels Ooh, i would relish to see him as a villain if you do want to see that watch uh the green room green room yeah yes he is great in that movie um some unfortunate, um, potentially unfortunate news, depending on our opinions on it. THR also reported this week that Brian Singer is going to return to the director's chair um, following his recent allegations um, that uh, he is looking to be paid top dollar to direct Red Sonia, a female-led spinoff movie based on Conan the Barbarian. Josh, you're shaking your head. Guessing you don't care for this. No, I don't care for Brian. I mean, like, he didn't he abandon? Like, did he stop showing up to the Queen set? Right? Yeah, that that's correct. <laughs> I feel I feel like even if you just discount 
everything that's been reported about him, which and alleged at him. Yeah, which all which the the THR article where they broke it, like they've said that the allegations against him are unfounded. They've been unproven. So on that aspect, it's like, well, he is innocent until proven guilty um, to a certain extent. But then also you point out that he he Not left too. he left another movie set without notice Mm -hmm. when those allegations came out mind you yes to probably uh okay sorry this is getting into sorry but anyway point being uh why there are so many other people you could hire Mm -hmm. to do this uh i'm not i'm not interested in the movie no me neither i don't think brian singer uh I'm i'm not saying he can't come back if those allegations are completely unfounded which i i find hard to believe um if he's going to return, he shouldn't return for a comic book adaptation. It's going to be big budget and being paid top dollar to do so. He should come back, do an indie movie, um, and definitely not a project that like, I've not done the the research. But some people pointed out that this character gains her abilities through um, being raped, and then like a god descends on her and like gives her the powers to overcome this. And just the allegations that are around Brian Singer that just seems like such a terrible pairing that you should if you're going to do this movie give it to a female director or give it to somebody who doesn't have rape allegations against them so uh it just seems like a bad call on their part but let's end the show on a happy note Please. michael michael b jordan yeah. according yes. to variety has got a brand new franchise he's going to start in a john clancy adaptation for paramount titled without remorse this comes obviously after john krasinski's had a lot of success on hulu with uh Jack Ryan. Yes. And it's Hulu, right? Or no, it's Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. I was like, that sounds completely wrong. And now I know why, because it is. I was going to wait to correct you, but <laughs> okay. you got it. You got thank it you. Yourself. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan headlining this for Paramount. This is great news. We need Mike, more Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. This will be an original action yes. franchise for him outside of Creed. So I'm all on board for this. Don't know who the character is. I'm not familiar with the character, the, the source material, or anything. Me so either. blank slate, as far as I'm concerned, just give Michael yes. B. Jordan an awesome action role. Mm-hmm, 100%. Especially if they go for the loose interpretation of Tom Clancy's content like they did in Jack Ryan. Um, that will be awesome because source material-wise doesn't really hold up to today. So mm-hmm. whatever they twist out of it, especially with Michael B. Jordan, I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, so that is it for this episode. Josh, before we sign off, do you know what we're reviewing next week? I don't know. I was going to say Venom, but that's two weeks away. <laughs> it is. It, uh, that'll be the week after. Yes. Um, so next week, I'm not sure either. We were, I know we said last week we were going to do Sister Brothers. But clearly, Obviously I can't didn't. read a release calendar. <laughs> um, so if Sister Brothers comes our way, then I think that would be the choice. Mm-hmm. If not, um, I'm not really sure what else is going wide next week. So we will have a review, most likely, next week. You'll have to come back and figure out what it is, just as we do. So, um, in the meantime, we will have a big question this week as well. As previously mentioned, this week we are going to be casting Space Jam 2, or I guess LeBron James's Space Jam remake, reboot. Uh, and so, you'll have to come in and tune in for our suggestion on those. If you have suggestions of your own, uh, send them to us on Twitter, where you guys can find us at Friends and Film. But if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our iTunes and give us a five-star review. But in the meantime, you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCreeper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future review. Bye.